Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. I've been really looking forward to today for a number of reasons. One of them is this series that we're talking about at the moment is a series where we're embracing the wonder of Christmas. Wonder's a wonderful word. I love love the word word wonder because if you think about it, it gets us to, to think beyond the moment, beyond ourselves, to take our eyes and even the word makes us to look up and beyond. And ever since the beginning of time, the wonder of God has been evident. Whether you believe in God or not, the wonder of creation, the wonder of God, the wonder of us being able to walk around, the wonder of what happens in this world, incredible. And if you think about it from a, from a creation perspective, the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, the, the, the book of Genesis, provides a really succinct beginning for us to start to marvel about the Almighty God. For us to start to marvel about about Him and His creation and what He did and the way He made not just the world, but the way He made you and I. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're wonderful. Now, you better tell the other person, otherwise they're thinking they're not. Tell them they're marvellous. Thank you, Brooke. You know, Genesis chapter 1, first chapter, first book, Old Testament. If you're not sure of navigating yourself around the Bible, Genesis is really easy to find. Start at the start. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says this, In the beginning, right at the start, before anything else, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the waters. And then that first chapter of Genesis goes on and talks about the awe-inspiring way that God actually creates everything. And everything's created by this amazing almighty God and Him speaking life. I mean, you, but for me, that's awe-inspiring. It's miraculous. It's, it creates awe and wonder in me that God created everything just from a spoken word. I think about what would have been in this world today, what, if to look at something, what would be awe-inspiring? And I think more than any other, Neil Armstrong, the first man who ever landed on the, on the moon, when he turned and he looked back at earth, that must have been awe-inspiring. And he was quoted as saying this. He said, mystery creates wonder and wonder is the basis of a person's desire to understand. And I love that because what he's saying is if you allow yourself to take the mysteries of the world and you start to wonder, wonder starts the journey of understanding. If we start with wondering of the things of God, if we start with wondering of the way that God operates and the way God created, what a great way to start on, the, on understanding and having un, unveiled, if you like, the mysteries of this world. Psalm 66 verse 5 says this in the, in the message translation. It says, take a good look at God's wonders. They will take your breath away. 
Take a look at a sunset. Really? It's just an accident? Just an explosion and a sunset over the water? Take a look at the birth of a baby. The incredible miracle that that little baby that's 100% reliant on mum and dad can grow and develop. Take a look at the wonders of this world. Look at God's wonders. They'll take your breath away. When was the last time your breath was taken away by the wonders of God's creation? He's even known as the God of wonders. We sing about the God of wonder. We read about the God of wonders. Why am I emphasising this? Why is this message around the God of wonders? So here it is. Here's the kicker. I actually think we've lost the awe and the wonder that God wants us to have of him. And our prayer this Christmas is that we would at some moment stop and have our breath taken away, that we look beyond the moment and we look up and we look beyond and we, we understand the beauty of God and his creation and we come back to that place of the wonder. There are so many wondrous truths about God and so many wondrous truths about Jesus. I started the first chapter of the first verse of the Bible, said in the beginning. Well, the first chapter of the first verse of the New Testament actually the fourth gospel of the New Testament, John's recount says this, in the beginning, right at the start, the Word already existed. Now I want to say to you, when John refers to the Word, you know who he's talking about? Jesus. He's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about Jesus. So he said, in the beginning, when God's creating, God the Father's creating, God the Son, Jesus is there. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It's Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. Let's keep going. The Word gave life to everything that was created. So Jesus gave life to everything that was created. God the Son. And His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. So God sends John the Baptist to start to talk about the word Jesus coming. I wonder is starting to be created here for me. That God would send his son that was with him and has been with him through, through eternity to earth. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. That's everyone. That's you and me and everyone. And it goes on. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gave light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. God sends his son Jesus to come into the world with the expectation of awe and wonder. And some in the world didn't even recognise that the son of God had come. He came to his own people and even they didn't recognise him and rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, Jesus gave the right to become a ch children of God. They are reborn, 
Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Are you allowing these words to rest? God let his son come that we might have rebirth, that we might have new life, that the old life could be passed away, that no matter what happens with our life so far, when we meet him and we invite him in and we understand the awe and the wonder of God and what he's done to bring his, his son Jesus to us, our worlds can be changed forever. So the word became human and made his home amongst us. We talked last week about God's not a distant God, that Jesus came to make his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John the Baptist testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was telling you about. Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. This is him. This is the Son of God. Don't miss him. Get captured in the awe and the wonder that God himself has come to earth as man. Why do Christians get so excited at Christmas time? Because we start to get caught up in the awe and the wonder of the mighty God. The question for us as Christians is, should not be how we, that be how we are every day of our lives? Not just at Christmas and Easter. From his abundance, Jesus' abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. God continues to bless us. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Why? Because God wants us to experience unfailing love. The love of God. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who himself, who is himself God, Jesus, is near to the Father's heart. He's revealed God to us. I love the way John puts it. You know, in, in 18 verses, he talks about the power of that first Christmas and the echoing power of the love of God. That first Christmas really was unexpected. It didn't follow any scripts. Didn't follow the way the religious leaders or even the Jewish people expected God to come to earth, expected the Messiah to come. They were wanting and desiring and expecting a Messiah to come, but not like this. Not like a baby in a manger. So what I thought I'd do in the next couple of minutes, is break down some of the ways. Last week I talked about the fact that there are truths in the Bible and then what happens is the world has grabbed a hold of some things and created some myths and, and sort of added some things into the Christmas story. And some of them are fun little things. And I thought what we'd do this morning is maybe break some of those myths so that not only can you get in the awe and wonder at an even greater level, but truly understand the sacrifice God made. So how about we look at some true biblical truths of, um, of that first Christmas, of Jesus coming to earth. Some of these you may know, some of these you may not. Why am I sharing these? Because I want you to know the truth of a God who is wonderful and a saviour who is awesome. So let's start by the, reading the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 and verse 4. I'm going to read a bit of Scripture today because I feel like that's what we should be doing at Christmas time, unpacking what Jesus says, what God says, what the Holy Spirit is doing. So let's look at the birth of Jesus. So Joseph, Jesus' father, well, Jesus' earthly dad, 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So what was happening was that all the people were coming back to a certain place where their line was because they, were, they, they needed to be there to make sure that they were sort of logging in, if you like. And I'll explain that a little bit more in a moment. But they came in the line of David because he went there. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. People were all going back to where their lines were and they were called back to Bethlehem. While they were there, so they were back there for a purpose, to register Mary and himself. And Mary was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for Mary to, for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields. I want you to understand this. Shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy, will cause awe, will cause wonder for all people. So even in that passage, there's some things that are mentioned and there's things that aren't. So let's have a bit of fun and have a look at it. Firstly, did you notice there's no donkeys mentioned? How often do you see Mary on the back of a donkey travelling in, in all the little nativity scenes and little stories about Mary on the back of a, of a donkey? Well, there's no donkeys mentioned. I'm not saying there wasn't, but just think about it a minute. Firstly, Joseph and Mary were probably too poor to have a donkey to travel on in the first place. Secondly, they travelled 113 kilometres from Nazareth to Bethlehem. How many pregnant women in here right now? I know there's one. <laughs> Two. Two. Can you imagine, ladies, around eight months, nine months, sitting on the back of a donkey for 113 kilometres? Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They travelled a long way and there's no way a pregnant woman does this on a donkey. So there's other ways of travelling. No big deal. It doesn't break down the whole story. So that's it. I don't believe in God anymore. There wasn't a donkey. That's, that's not what this is about. But I, I want to say to you is sometimes we pick up on little things and we need to understand how tough the time was. When Jesus was born, there was nothing. Mary and Joseph had nothing. They were there to register for the census, for the tax. That's why they went to Bethlehem in the first place. And it says in verse 6, while they were there. So they were probably in Bethlehem for quite a while. They didn't decide to go to Bethlehem because that's where they were going to have the baby. They were there for another purpose, for the census, for the tax. They were established wherever they were. They'd been there for a little while. We're not sure how long. And the Scriptures say there was no room for them in the Cataluma. Now, the Greek word Cataluma means the guest room, the cave, the upper room. So there was no room for them in the Cataluma. Now, when they went to Bethlehem, their line of family was there. So they would have known some people. Long lost cousins and aunties and whatever. They would have known people. And so what's probably happened is they've gone to stay with them and there's no room there. Now, we, we see in and we think no room in the ill hotel. Knock at the doors, a few people having a beer, the innkeeper's there. Well, what this is saying is they, was, they would probably have stayed with some sort of long-lost distant relative, but there was no room for them in the guest room, in the cave, in the outer room, in the Cataluma. So what happens is they stay in the area where the animals were kept. Again, they stayed where the animals 
were kept because there was no room for them. You're getting how harsh the birth of Jesus really was. And then we go on and we look at the date. And many of you would know the actual date probably of birth of Jesus probably wasn't December. That doesn't mean, well, that's it. I'm not celebrating Christmas now. It's great that we celebrate it sometime. But, but if we look at it, we don't know the date. We don't know the actual date, but it probably wasn't December. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. So the shepherds were living in the fields. Now, there's no way, if you look at historians, there's no way that shepherds and even the animals were going to be outside between October and April around that time in that area, because it would have been so cold. They would have had the animals inside and the shepherds would not have probably been out there as well. So they probably would have been more of a dry season, maybe July or August. It's very rare that shepherds were out with their sheep in the coldest time of year. But it was saying the shepherds were out living in the fields. And again, this is not saying, well, that's it, it's all done. But what we've done is we've jumped onto certain things. And it's great that we find a time of year to celebrate. It really is. So I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate because we don't have the actual date. So let's pick a date to celebrate. But again, I want you to understand that there are some truths, which we're going to get to in a moment, that are absolute truths from the Scripture. They're the things we hold on to. And we don't hold on to the, the, the stuff on the edges that we get so caught up with that we miss the wonder of the truth of Jesus. Scriptures refer or infer that Mary and Joseph were alone at the birth. That's probably unlikely too. Again, Mary would not have been on her own to give birth. Again, they were around family, extended family and friends. There probably would have been others there. It probably would have been a big, messy, chaotic family type setup. We don't know that for sure, but if you understand culture of the time, that probably would have been the case. This is one that I find really interesting. The shepherds. We think the shepherds and we think of, you know, older guys, you know, with the, with, the, with the shepherd's nook out there. If you go back and you look at those times, most shepherds were young children, teenagers and younger. And even more importantly, most of the shepherds of that time were female. Did you know that? Most of the shepherds of the time were female. Now, again, it doesn't say the shepherd men or the shepherd women. It just says the shepherds. But if you go back and you look at the Scriptures and you understand the culture and the context of the time, there probably would have been boys, but most of them would have been young girls. It's interesting, I find, the role that women play in Jesus' life and in His ministry. That most of the shepherds would have been young women, young girls there. Think about that for a minute. So the first to report the birth of Jesus would have been young women. And how many know the first to report the resurrection of Jesus? Remember when Jesus was died on the cross and was thrown in a tomb and three days later he rose again? Who were the first to report the resurrection? Who were the ones that went to check and the tomb had been rolled away? Ladies. Don't you ever feel like you don't have a role to play in not only following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but taking leadership roles and having an influence in the church. Jesus modelled it. God modelled it from the very first time. From his, from, from his birth through to his resurrection. The women were there speaking out the good news. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus and Salome were there to see it opened up. 
me stay on this for a moment. Because I want, ladies, I want you to grab this. Jesus' ministry, when he grows up, gets a bit older and he starts to minister, was mainly funded by who? Women. Let me read Luke chapter 8 for you as you understand the support and the funding that came to Jesus as he ministered. Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. Jesus travelled from one city and village to another. He spread the good news about God's kingdom. The 12 apostles were with him and also some women were with him. They'd been cured from evil spirits and various illnesses. These women were Mary, also called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, whose husband Chusa was Herod's administrator. Susanna and many other women. They provide financial support for Jesus and his disciples. So I just want to pause to say so often when we read the scriptures and so often the teachings come and it's about the apostles and the men and they did this and they did that. And men had a significant role to play. Ladies, so did women. Don't ever feel like you don't have an opportunity and a role to play in this church and as followers of Jesus to speak out his truth, to live out opportunities to make a difference for this world. It was modelled from the day he was born to the day he rose again. Quick, another one. The manger. We see the pictures of the manger. Even in the, in the, in the little um, video that we showed there, we saw this, saw this beautiful timber wooden manger with straw in it. It looks beautiful. It looks really comfortable. It's just wonderful. It's not true. <laughs> the manger was a food trough made of stone. Forget the lovely wooden straw-filled trays. They were made to, fe- to feed and drink for food and drink for animals who were in a cave. Laid in a stone trough. Wasn't a comfortable birth for Jesus. Let's talk about the wise men or the wise men. The magi. How many know that the pictures of the nativity have the wise men there at the birth? That probably wasn't the case. They probably weren't there at the birth. They were certainly there. They certainly visited. They certainly came bearing gifts. They certainly came and made a significant impact. But it probably wasn't at the birth. See, these wisely priests came from the east. They weren't kings. They were wise men, wisely priests who came from the east. And they were people who watched and interpreted things by watching the sky. And they most likely came in a large caravan, a large group of people. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2 says, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? The Magi say, We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. So there's no proof of how many. We say we three kings. Well, there were three gifts. Three gifts. But there were never said how many kings. So there probably were more than three. Maybe not. We don't know. But we do know that there were three amazing gifts that were given. But we don't know how many. And they probably didn't arrive at the birth because if they'd come from the east, it would have taken them at least two years to travel from the homeland of Judea. So from their homeland in the east to Judea. Would have taken them at least two years. So they wouldn't probably see Jesus until he's around about two years old. Now they came and they bought gifts and there was anointing happened in that moment. But if you read the story later, you find out that Herod, the king of the time, tried to kill all the children and he killed all the children up till two years of age because he was aware of approximate time Jesus was born, but he only found out about it when the, he sent, when the kings or the wise men went off and then were supposed to come back to him, but they went another way. So again, the wise men were there, had a significant role to play. We think it would all happen and they're all there within, within like Mary had the baby and all of a sudden everybody, no. 
Shepherds were there, wise men came, probably around about two years later. Why am I telling you all this? Because I want you to understand that it wasn't just this, the baby arrived and, oh, the wise men are there, and there's all these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and it was all beautiful. It was a really tough moment. God chose, in this awe-inspiring, wonderful moment, a really difficult way for God, his son Jesus, to come into this earth. Another one that may, you may or may not be aware of is that Jesus is not Mary and Joseph's only child. Mary and Joseph had other children. Matthew 13, 54 says, Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers, they said? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And aren't all his sisters with us? See, Jesus was part of a larger family. But we think Jesus, only son, or some of us do. Well, we know about James because he wrote some of the Bible. But he was part of a wider family. Now, again, I tell you that to say he was born into a family like every other, most other. And he would have had the issues growing up with his brothers and his sisters. Just like everyone else. Here's another one. Is this this helpful? I hope it is because I want you to understand the truths and then when we get to the, the understanding of why awe and wonder is important, we'll bring it home. Jesus' appearance. Believe it or not, Jesus was not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white-skinned, American accent voice. It's not Jesus. Jesus was Middle Eastern, so he would have had Middle Eastern features. He would have had, from Jewish descent, he had dark skin and he would have had shaggy dark hair. There's not a lot of description about Jesus, but do you know the one thing, the one way that described him? Ordinary. Let's read it. Isaiah 53 and verse 2, the prophet Isaiah was talking about when Jesus was to come and he said, he grew, up before, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to, to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So when we look, there's nothing in the appearance that we should desire, but there's everything about who he is. And again, I think that's beautiful because all of a sudden it takes us away from the idea of what's important is not the way things look. What's important is what Jesus brings, what Jesus brings. He would have looked like every other Hebrew, Hebrew guy. In fact, when Judas betrayed him, do you remember Judas gave him a kiss? You can leave that up if you want, whatever's easier, guys. When Judas betrayed him, he had to kiss Jesus to identify him because they walked in and go, oh, it's Jesus. It's the awe, it's the one. No, no, no. It wasn't about how he looked that was awe and wonder. It was what he bought. It was who he was. And so when people saw him and didn't know him, he was just like everybody else. Judas had to go and give him a kiss so the Roman soldiers knew who to go after. It wasn't how he looked. It was who he was that created awe and wonder. And finally, believe it or not, Jesus' surname is not Christ. wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ or all the other little Christs. His name was Jesus. We don't know his surname. The word Christ comes from the, from the word Christos, which means anointed one. 
So beautiful that we, when we understand the truths of the Scriptures and the things that we're not sure about, we've added a little bit of mayo on and we get rid of the mayonnaise and we just look at truth. That's so important because what I want to talk about now is the important parts of the truth of our Saviour that we need to hold on to tight because these are the things that create the wonder. You see, this teaches us to seek our truth from Scriptures and not from what the society paints about Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus is like, read the Gospels. Unpack the Gospels. Get in the Word and read the Gospels. If you want to know what God's like, get to know Jesus. So if you say, well, what's God like? Read and understand what Jesus is about. And Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. When I say the Gospels, the first four books of the, of the New Testament. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Easy to find if it's on your app because you just put in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've, we've unpacked a bit of John, so, so get into John. Read a bit of John. But if you want to know the truth of Jesus and not just what everybody else has laid on top, spend some time in the Gospels this Christmas. You see, there are so many wondrous truths about Jesus as well as the things that people have laid on top. Truths that not only impacted the world 2,000 years ago. Wondrous truths that impact your world and my world today. Truths that set us free. Truths about our Saviour. Truths that create hope, provide purpose, bring wonder. The psalmist says, let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Psalmist is saying, let the earth, let you and I be in awe of Jesus. Think about the miracles of the Bible. Wondering about the wonder of God is always worthwhile. Let me say that again. Wondering about the wonders of God is always worthwhile because when we start to wonder about the things of God, we open our eyes up to the supernatural. We open our eyes up to who God is and what He did. The psalmist goes on in Psalm 72 to say, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders, and blessed be His glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. The Bible itself is a wonder. Think about it. 66 books written over a 1,600-year period with 40 authors. And in essence, it has one thing. 66 books, 40 authors. 1,600 years, and it has one thing. In essence, it has one thing. From Genesis to Revelation, the Old Testament points us towards Jesus, and the New Testament tells us about the life of Jesus and the echoing work of Jesus into the future and into today and beyond. The whole of the Scriptures, 66 books, 40 authors, one thing, God redeeming us through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the star, who is awesome, who is miraculous, who is a miracle worker, who is one who wants to come and change your life, who is one who says, I see you just as you are and I love you so much, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. I love you too much to let you live a life without God at the centre. So I'm going to live, give my life. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to be whipped. I'm going to, live the, I'm going to die the most horrific death. Why? Because I want to overcome death. I want to overcome sin. I want to overcome hell and rise again so that you and I might have eternal life. You talk about awe and wonder. Why do we get so passionate about Christmas? Because this baby born in a trough, in the middle of poverty, not riding a white horse, saying, come follow me. But living a life like you and I, going through all the challenges 
that the world brings, going through all the challenges that, that, um, that are thrown upon us, understanding grief and the grief of loss of a loved one, understanding the way that the world works, nothing ever goes exactly the way we want it to, understanding the pressures in marriage and the pressures in relationship, understanding the way work, the pressures of work, having to earn an income, understanding every single thing you might go through or you might think you can go through, he understands it because he's lived 100% as a human being. But the good news and the awe and the wonder is he is 100% deity. He is 100% God, son of the living God. Everything points us to Jesus. Again, I come back to John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. You see, through Jesus you were made. And so when we say we come to ask Jesus into our life, all we're doing is saying we want to come back to the one whom through we were made. The one who knew us before we were born. The one who understood what was going on in life and said, I've got to find a way for Murray to be reconnected with God. And I'm going to give my life so that Murray, insert your name here, so that Murray can have a personal relationship with the the living God. You see, Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our wonder. He's worthy of our awe, not just because of who he was, but also because of what he's done. Every time Jesus spoke, every time he ministered, people were in awe and wonder. Remember the story about when the mates, when the mates had, a, had a paralytic friend and they heard about this Jesus that was healing people? And they said, this is amazing. And they wondered, I wonder if this Jesus could heal our mate, who from our understanding, it was born a paralytic. And they said, they didn't let what the past had been like to get in the way of the present and the future. And they said, what if, let's just wonder for a moment, what if we bring our mate to Jesus? And so I don't know how they did it, but they climbed up on a roof and they lowered, they've moved away the roof and they lowered him down. Jesus was having a meeting in a house and they lowered him down. And Jesus heals this paralytic man and he says, he says an amazing thing is he's because of the faith of your mates. And he heals this paralytic man. And then Luke chapter 5 goes on and says, Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing, remarkable things today. Let me promise you something. When you open your eyes to the wonder of God, you will see amazing and remarkable things in your life. That's his promise. And the first remarkable thing that you'll experience is the God that is close by will come and he'll put his arms around you and he'll say, now you are a child of God. You're in my family. And then he promises and he says, and I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. No matter what comes. You might go through some tough things. I'm not promising you perfection. I'm not promising you a wonderful, wonderful, everything's going to be okay. But I promise you, I'm never going to leave you. You'll never live this life alone. And if you've never accepted him into your life, I came to the understanding of this in my early to mid-20s. And I prayed a simple prayer and I said, that God that I'm reading about, that I'm hearing about, I want to experience the wonder and the awe 
of a God who's never going to leave me nor forsake me. And in a moment, if you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never asked, if you've never considered, you've never asked him in your life, I'm going to give you a moment, like so many of us in this room have done, and that I did in my mid-20s, I'll give you a moment just that we can pray together and he might come and you might experience the awe and the wonder of the risen God. And for those of you who walk with him, do you allow yourself to wonder at Jesus? Do you still allow yourself that wonder? At his birth, at his life, at his ministry, at his death, at his resurrection, at his ascension, as his call? Do you sit and wonder? Do you look at sunsets and get caught up in the wonder and the awe of Jesus? See, every part of Jesus' makeup and his nature is worthy of worship and wonder and awe. Here's a phrase I want you to think about. This Christmas, what would it like for you to be awestruck by Jesus? Oh my goodness, the creator of the heavens and the earth loves me. And he came as a baby and he lived 30 odd years of his life so that humanity would come to know him, so that you would come not just to know about him, but to know him. This Christmas, what would it look like for you to take a knee as that song sung, we sung before, to take a knee and to ask him to come into your life? There are wonderful things that we can praise him about, wonderful things that we can know about his life, his birth. The most important thing is he came for you to set you free that you might never have to live the rest of this life on your own, but he wants to lead you and guide you and direct you and bless you and help you if you're prepared to open your eyes to the wonder of Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon. 